With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lose the Cape Podcast, episode 140. This episode of the podcast is sponsored by the newest Lose the Cape book, which is launching on June 26th of 2018. Lose the Cape ain't nothing but a teen thing. This book digs deep into uh, what it is like to be raising a tween or teen in the 2018 environment. So we have uh, pulled together a bunch of, of essays from parents, and we're going to be interviewing one of those parents today, Jennifer Rosenhines. Uh, this is also an episode dedicated to, um, I guess the easiest way to put it is to gun safety and talking about gun violence and common sense measures to try and keep the world a safer place for our children. June 2nd, 2018 is National Wear Orange Day in support of trying to reduce gun violence. And we are doing all that we can. Jennifer made the perfect guess for that because not only is she a hilarious writer, um, she is also a very active mother in the Moms Demand Action movement. So if this is an organization that you're not familiar with or that you maybe have thought about participating in but don't really know what they do or how to get involved, this is a great episode to talk about that. What this is not is a political argument over whether or not we should have guns. It is purely based on our uh, discussion as moms about safety and what's happening in schools with our kids and ways that we can try and make the world a safer place for them and for all of us. So we hope you'll listen in. We hope you'll join the discussion. And um, I look forward to hearing your feedback on this episode. You can get all the show notes and access any of the links that we discuss on this at losethecape.com forward slash podcast forward slash 140. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Lose the Cape podcast. I'm your host, Alexa Bigwarf, here with my sidekick and co-host, Nancy Cavallones. We are really pleased to bring you another contributor to the Lose the Cape, ain't nothing but a teen thing, um, Jen Rosenhines. Do you just go by, do you go by both or do you just go by Heinz? I was like, no, oh, I okay. go by both. Okay, I'm good. I, I got that right. <laughs> Jen is a blogger, a mother, um, a funny writer, and um, we're going to get into her essay, but she is more than that. She's also a leader of her local Moms Demand Action um, organization, which mm -hmm. if you're not familiar with, is an organization set up by moms to help um, provide a very common sense route to helping us reduce the violence and the, um, the problems that our children are having because of uh, improperly used and stored weapons, basically. And you will know all about Moms Demand Action and how you can get involved by the end of it. So let me read your bio really quickly. Uh, Jennifer Rosenhines has been accused <laughs> as having the maturity of a nine-year-old boy because of her love of poop and fart jokes. She lives in Madison, Wisconsin and works for the parenting website Scary Mommy. 
Now, I know everybody's heard of Scary Mommy that listens to our podcast. So she was a, is a recovering MFA and an award-winning poet and blogger. Follow her at the-thinking-mom.blogspot.com. You have held on to the blogspot domain, huh? <laughs> I have, I have always 10 million different things going on. So that's probably not my most active place. My most active place is always on Facebook. So Absolutely. So, well, first of all, thank you so much for being a part of our, of our podcast and a part of our anthology. We're really excited about it. If you haven't been listening to us as we've been promoting the launch of this book, which is on June 26th, which is less than a month from now. By the time this goes live, it'll be like two weeks from now. So we're super excited. But it's a really fun uh, look into the lives of parents who are all of a sudden like raising tweens and teens and are like, oh crap, how did we get here? So um, uh, Carrie and I started Lose the Cape, the first book, um, Realities from Busy Modern Moms and Strategies to Survive when our kids were like, six and below. They were, they were all young. They were really small kids. And as we've grown up with them and entered into this new stage of life, we found there were few books of this nature for tweens and teens and, and parents. So it's a great, it's funny stories. It's, it's emotional stories. It's advice. It's uh, just, here's why we made these types of decisions. It's, I mean, hilariousness. It's advice from experts. It's, I think, a very eclectic and amazing book of um, stories for parents who are getting ready to enter into this very different zone of parenting. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so now your story is hilarious. Um, about your son and getting armpit hair. Do you want to tell yeah. us a little bit about, without telling everybody all the story, because we want them to go buy the book. <laughs> Absolutely. Please go buy the book now. Right, exactly. This is the book. You should buy it. Um, so, you know, I think it's, I, I don't know how other people who are uh, boy moms feel, but, um, or moms of boys, I should say, because I also have a daughter. Um, but, you know, when you he head towards puberty, you're like, well, my puberty was a totally different thing from what it's like to mature in the body of a boy. Um, and the good news is that my kid has a sense of humor and I have a sense of humor. So we take it kind of as like a day-by-day -day discovery. And I have much less emotional baggage somehow about a boy hitting puberty than a girl hitting puberty. Right. You know, I don't know about you, but I think I spent like most of my puberty either crying or <laughs> pining or cursing, you know, or hiding. Right. Uh, those were kind of my menu of options. And so it's really interesting to experience it through his body and his experience. And, um, you know, as a mom, you don't want to be like, hey, dude, can I always check your armpit? Like, you know, where where are we in the development of your body? Um but at the same time, you kind of want to know where your kid is and what sure. they're going through so that you can, you know, not just, uh, you know, talk to them, but you can help them through it. Um, so it's an interesting time where there's a disconnect between them actually needing you more, kind of, emotionally, um, but at the same time, them needing space and them needing uh, privacy and things mm -hmm. like that. So, um you know, we kind of discovered the hair uh, at the same time. The hair. The hair. <laughs> there was one hair. 
And it was like that long. <laughs> For those of you who can't see this, she's it's like two inches. Oh, <laughs> so sorry. A mammoth, a mammoth hair. <laughs> yes, a mammoth hair. It was uh yeah, I mean you think about hair growing in and and you don't have the experience, you don't remember the experience of getting hair. Like right. hair is just all of a sudden there. And as a middle-aged woman, hair, you know, <laughs> some right. of us start getting this or getting this or right. <laughs> fighting that. All of a sudden, one day you look and it's there. Um, and so we had that experience together of discovering this hair. And it was an epic and momentous moment and uh, something I don't think either of us will forget. <laughs> it's so funny because my oldest is a boy. I have um, my oldest is a boy and then followed by two girls. And um, I swear he's been hairy since he was born. My husband's family, they're just very hairy creatures. <laughs> And I think he started getting armpit hair when he was like seven. Oh my Not god! One hair, like like hair, and um, it, you know, it's crazy. He's maybe he oh was eight, maybe, but it was young. I remember thinking, oh my gosh! And but the it came in and then just kind of stopped. So it's not like he's continued to just become this little woolly mammoth the whole time. But he doesn't. <laughs> he doesn't have like a little troll under his. Arm. Oh my gosh! He's he's a hairy oh little dude, but um you know, now he goes in there, but it's just, it's a scary time for me. I mean, I laughed so hard. My younger sister has a son the same age and she's like, she told me, <laughs> I laughed so hard. She's, we're, we're from a family of girls. And she told me that she explained to her son what a wet dream was. And I was like, oh my gosh, how did you have that conversation? I don't think I could do that. <laughs> No, it's, you know, and, and of course, like all the parenting books these days tell you like, you're supposed to use the correct terminology for everything. Oh my gosh. Like, Cause that's not awkward. Right. Exactly. Um, you know, and, and the whole thing is just really fraught. I remember, um, so my, I don't know about you and, and your state, but my son, um, we live in Wisconsin. And so he started getting human growth and development, which is what they call sex ed uh -huh. in fifth grade. Uh -huh. And, uh, you know, every day he would come home just like horrified. I would be like, oh, it's human growth and development. And he would be like, dog, talk to me. I don't want to talk to you about this. He was just like utterly frustrated and, and, and disgusted. And then um, one day it was his birthday. And so I had to, I went to go take donuts uh, to his class and I knocked on the door and one of these kids opens the door and the room is quiet and the lights are out in there. And I'm like, what the heck is going on? And I just kind of come in with my personality and I'm like, hey, I'm Max's mom. <laughs> and the kid says, uh, says, oh, we're right in the middle of human growth and development. And I was oh, like, hey, kids. See I'm you later. For <laughs> no, I said, I said, I'm here to deliver donuts and talk to you about sex. And my son goes, Mom! And bangs it against the desk. are staring at me like, what the hell? And I just, and I dropped the donuts and I said, have fun, kids, and walked out. And my son, like, did not make eye contact with me for, like, four days. But I thought, you know, this is, you gotta, you gotta have fun with it and you gotta laugh really? about it. 
um, because otherwise it's, it's a taboo thing and then you can't talk about it. And that's how my, that's the approach my husband takes. He just laughs, so laughs his way through everything and, and makes up funny jokes and my son laughs, but it, it really does take the edge off of it. And the fact that we're able to have that conversation about things that I know we need to talk about, but I would really rather not, at least when it's funny, you know. But yeah. I think that for me, it's like, it's really difficult to imagine some of the specific questions that may arise. Um, so, <laughs> <laughs> arise, Yay. no there pun intended. <laughs> yeah, well, puns happen. I just, puns happen. I mean, my oldest is a girl, she's nine, and I can already tell that, like, with her, I'm not going to be able to, like, be funny, because she's just so like self-conscious and uptight but my son who's four we'll see i mean he's kind of a goofball so i don't know i'll just let my husband handle it probably you well, know the interesting thing is i think somehow i think it's easier for me to talk to my son i think yeah. i have more baggage with a girl like yeah we went to the pediatrician and uh, the pediatrician started to say to her well you're nine so same age as your your uh daughter and the pediatrician started to say well kids are already having these changes and i'm like no i cannot <laughs> I, you know, people are like be body positive and i'm like i'm stuck i'm trying so hard i'm trying so hard but it's yeah. i just have some like american girl books that i'm just gonna give her when she starts asking questions they are maturing faster they are being exposed to things faster and then to swing it completely in a different direction. Like they have fears and things that are happening to them in the real world that are very adult in nature, like worrying about if they're going to die when they go to school every day. Um, so to take it from a funny perspective about talking about sex to the other topic that I really want to cover while we have Jen's attention, and that is just the problem with the violence in our schools and how we as moms, I'm going to try not to be political about this because mm -hmm. I really, we've, we make this an environment where all moms can feel um, non-judged as much mm -hmm. as possible. Um, but, you know, to me, my personal opinion here is that if you're a mom and you have a kid, gun safety should be a concern to you, period. Yeah. Absolutely. Just, and if it's not, maybe, you know, I, don't, I, I just, I don't know how it can't be. I mean, it just continues to happen over and over, not just in high schools, but obviously in elementary schools and middle schools and colleges across the board. And I just recently attended my niece's high school graduation in Florida, about an hour away from Parkland. And, mm. um, you know, there were armed police officers, not just with your normal handguns, but with mm -hmm. rifles. And, and my son said, as we walked by, he was like, wow, is that a real gun? And I said, I assure you, it's not fake. And the cop looked at us and he was like, we're just here to keep you and your family safe so that you can, you know, have a day of celebration instead of day of mourning. And I was like, oh my gosh, how sad is it that we have to have that disclaimer? And I asked my, my, sister-in-law about about it later and if that was becoming the norm at, at Florida events and she's like I'm going to be honest with you I was terrified the entire graduation ceremony and my <sighs> and my niece said the same thing she said I was just waiting for it to happen and at the end they dropped balloons and kids started stomping on them and they were like she she said she freaked out 
she didn't know what was happening when she heard some of the balloons popping at first. And I'm like, what a sad environment now that we can't even enjoy a high school graduation ceremony without checking out all around us to see who might be the one who's going to, you know, decide to make his day of glory. I say his because it's normally his, but it could be a girl. I mean, it, it like to informs like everything. Like I, uh, Jen, I live, um, about 15 minutes from Sandy Hook. So, um, so right after Sandy Hook, me and a lot of other parents were having like conversations, like how do we, send our kids over to somebody's house for a play date if we don't know if the parents own a gun or if they're being responsible about owning the gun. Do we ask them first if they have guns in the house and if they say mm-hmm. yes, then it's an what, what do we say? Yeah. Like, what are you supposed to say after that? No, I'm not sending my kid to your house or do you have right. to like do like a whole inquisition about, well, where do you keep your guns? Where are, where are they? And then mm-hmm. like the solution that my sister and I arrived at was that was just to focus on helping our kids make decisions when they're confronted mm-hmm. in a situation like that. And so we told them that if you're at a friend's house and you see a gun, run. Yeah. Leave the room. Leave the room. Let's back get up. out. Let's back up just a second here. I'm mm-hmm. sure you probably want to address like the Be Smart organization and all that stuff that Moms Demand Action has partnered sure. with. But can you, for anybody who has been living under a rock, <laughs> doesn't know what Moms Demand Action is, can you tell mm-hmm. us a little bit about the organization, how you got involved, and what the and and clear up some of the myths about what it is that this organization is trying to achieve. Absolutely. So Moms Demand Action is a, uh, a non-political uh, organization. Uh, we don't uh, ascribe to any particular political ideology. They're Democrats, Republicans, Independents, um, you know, people who, who switch between things. Um, and we are all interested in gun safety. And, uh, you know, there's this common conception or misconception, I should rather say, that uh, people who are interested in this issue are all somehow anti-Second Amendment. And uh, that is not the case with this organization. We have a lot of responsible gun owners, um, you know, um, people who used, uh, used or use weapons in the military, people who are police officers, um, lots of different people, gun owners, non-gun owners, who are coming together to say, we need to move this forward. We need to make some changes. And uh, the difference between our organization and maybe some of the rhetoric people have heard online about guns, because everybody's got an opinion and everybody's going to tell you their opinion, is that our uh, approaches are all Mm -hmm. research-based. And by research, we mean peer-reviewed research that comes from, you know, researchers who are at accredited institutions um, and where there is a consensus among scientific, uh, the scientific community that the data is being interpreted in the correct way. Mm -hmm. So uh, we are really looking for solutions. We are not necessarily tied to any kind of dogma other than the dogma of wanting to protect Uh, our kids, uh, wanting to protect our families, wanting to uh, cut down on the gun violence that we see. Uh, 
you know, across this country. Over 100 people a day lose their lives to gun violence. Just a few years ago, it was only 94 people a day in the United States. Um, So that within a very short period of time, we've seen a spike in gun violence. And here we're not talking about just, uh, you know, mass shootings, which Mm -hmm. tend to get the headlines. Um, We're also talking about um, domestic violence. We're also talking about uh, self-inflicted wounds, uh, you know, because suicide is is a severe problem. And uh, 90% of the time when someone attempts suicide with a handgun, they are successful. Whereas 90% of the time, if you try to kill yourself by other means, you will survive. Okay, so we really want to uh, make sure that um, fewer people are obviously hurting themselves or others with guns, um, and then that uh, you know we are addressing some of the other underlying issues. But you can't ignore guns. No, you can't. You can't ignore them. Uh, and anyone who wants to tell you that guns are not the issue, they are throwing away a part of the solution. Nobody here is saying we don't have issues with mental health care and delivery of mental health services, uh, counseling, education, uh, supportive families, all those kinds of things. No one is saying that there's not a problem with so many things in this country. However, when you compare us to other countries that are similar in terms of economics and you know ethnic makeup, those kinds of things, you are 25, we are 25 times more likely to die wow. in this country by gun than wow. someone in a similar country. So, and, and the main differentiator is not that we have higher rates of uh, depression or anxiety. We have similar kinds of problems to other uh, nations of our size and of our economy. The difference is access to firearms. Absolutely. So, um, but it's important to say that, uh, you know, the Second Amendment exists and uh, has been established as the rule of law in this country. Uh, The interpretation of the Second Amendment has changed over time. Uh, But people who say that there's some kind of slippery slope that uh, women like myself, you know, sitting in my little suburban house here, that we are trying to overturn the Second Amendment, it's, it's, kind of an absurd argument. Uh, if you Google uh, what would it take to overturn an amendment to the Constitution, right. you will see that not only is the bar terribly high for doing that, um, but that w- there is no way uh, that we are anywhere close to consensus in this country about overturning the Second Amendment. It's not going to happen. Right. Uh, so... But the Second Amendment doesn't say that you can't make reasonable gun laws right. uh, that help to keep guns out of the hands of people who shouldn't have them, like domestic abusers. Um, we know that domestic abuse and abuse of animals uh, are the two warning signs uh, that someone might commit a mass uh, shooting event. So, you know, these are things we know. They're things we've known for a long time. Uh, so we really want to cut through the rhetoric and really talk about solutions. I think for me, um, one of the most frustrating things has been beyond the slippery slope argument, mm-hmm. just the idea that people, that mothers, that women who are often the victim of, uh, if someone's going to die from a domestic violence event, it's going to be a woman. It's frustrating, usually. <laughs> it's frustrating to me that women and that mothers can't 
more globally come together and say, this is a problem. There have to be, there are solutions that, um, that are feasible without coming head to head with major blockages, largely from organizations with more money Mm -hmm. and, um, you know, things of that nature. So I don't know. It's, I have, um, I think that there's probably a lot of people like me who feel like the problem is so big and mm-hmm. they can't do anything about it, mm-hmm. which is why I think a, a grassroots um, action group like Moms Demand Action is a great place to get started. Um, you can join them anywhere, right? Right. So we have, uh, we have chapters in all 50 states. And in fact, there may be a meeting or there may be a group in your local area. Um, so I am the Madison group lead from Madison, Wisconsin. And uh, since the Parkland shooting, we have gone from seven groups in the state of Wisconsin to 22. Uh, so we are all over the state. If you look in the state of Texas, you know, places that you would consider, uh, being very immersed in gun culture. Uh, there are many, many women, men also, um, can be moms, quote unquote. You don't have to be a mother of a child in order to be a part of our organization. It was just a movement that was started by women who were concerned about the safety, their safety and the safety of their children. Um, so, you know, the thing is that this is true in a lot of ways, um, that women, we, you know, we give birth to children. That's no easy feat. Uh, we are oftentimes primary caregivers for children. We all know that that's a super challenging role. Um, we can do really hard things. We really can. And uh, we need to have the confidence to say that um, our children's lives are something that us mama bears, we're not going to give up easily. We are not going to say, well, just because this is a big problem, that we can't be a part of the solution. And that's the great part about this organization is that because it is so research-based, you really can learn that sometimes there are ways to go about talking about something that can clear up misconceptions. Uh There are certain kinds of things that most of us, even people who are car carrying NRA members can agree with and do agree, but we are being sold a false bill of goods that we are more divided than we are. Right. And there's lots of public opinion polling out there that also suggests we are not as divided as we think we are. And part of, uh, part of the uh, strategy of uh, people who don't want to see different laws passed, their strategy is to divide us mm-hmm. by telling us we are not powerful, we are alone, and there's no solving this problem. Yeah, and I think that's kind of where I was going with, I got distracted by the warning on Zoom popping up there, but like, <laughs> um, is that 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 they are winning at the division side. I think the other organizations are winning Mm -hmm. at dividing people and by putting out all this rhetoric that, that, that makes people believe it's a problem that's too hard to solve. So instead of trying to solve it, let's just, you know, go on with our merry way. Um, and, And that's a hard, that's a hard thing to work through. But I think that's one of the things that I really like about what Moms Demand Action has been doing is by creating all of these programs, like, collaborating with Be Smart, which goes back to what Nancy was talking Mm -hmm. about, how to have those conversations with your kids. To me, that takes all the controversy out of it. It's not saying 
we're judging you for having a gun or you can't or cannot can or can't have a gun but it's saying we recognize this is a world where they exist so mm -hmm. it's our job as mothers to do as much as we can to protect our kids to educate your kids and what i like about the bsmart.org is that they have like um checklists and planning tools and and recommend that you talk about gun safety just as you would fire safety so right. if you would have a fire a plan escape plan from your home have a have a plan for what your children are going to do if they're at someone's house with and um you know what what they can say or do how to respond how to protect themselves and 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 what to do and i think that's so important just we have that conversation with my 11 year old son a lot um i'm in south carolina everybody has a gun everybody mm -hmm. and their grandmother probably have 15 guns so right. you know it's it's really a conversation that has to be had on absolutely. a regular basis it's absolutely he plays these violent video games where the soldiers get shot up and then they come back to life and i'm like you have to understand that that is not reality and if someone shoots you in the head you're not coming back ever right right <laughs> well you know and this is an interesting thing about the moms be smart program uh because it's essentially it's a 30 minute uh talk that one of our volunteers goes in and does for any any group uh, who's interested in, in learning more about it. So we do it for PTOs and PTAs. We do it at churches, uh, you know, anywhere where there's a gathering of people who are interested in it. We'll even do like house parties we'll, where we'll go in and we'll say, okay, invite your girlfriends over and, and we'll talk about it. Mm -hmm. And part of what we all need to do is to really shift our mindset about uh, what it means to keep our kids safe. Um, and, you know, as you were saying, you know, talking to your kids about if there's a gun that gets introduced, you know, say that they're over at their friend's house and their friend uh, takes out a gun and starts playing with it, uh, which happens. Mm -hmm. A lot. This happens. Yeah. If you I'm have, like, run. Yeah. Don't try to, like, convince your friend to put the gun down. Don't, just get the hell out. Yeah. <laughs> Well, it's, like, you know, it's, you know? it's really the thing is that we don't ever want it to come to that situation, right? right? We don't want our kids to be having to make those decisions uh, if it's possible. Um, and there is a certain amount of peer pressure that goes on. You sure. know, what happens when somebody does something or says something that you don't like and you're kind of frozen in it? Uh, you know, and so part of what we say with moms is that it is a parent's responsibility to keep their kids safe. Right. And because of that, the onus is on us to have the hard conversations. Now, I know that's not always possible. I mean, I have a daughter who uh, likes to be very free range and, uh, you know, we've had situations where we can't find her and she's in a neighbor's house. Um, you know, luckily we've kind of gotten past that stage, but, um, you know, kids aren't perfect little human beings. Heck, adults aren't. So we have to make uh, some decisions for our children that, um, you know, our, our understanding of where they are developmentally. Yeah. So, um, you know, my child now knows that she is not supposed to go into a house where I have not spoken to the adults before um, and where I have not given my okay. Um, 
you no, know, that's just smart on, on, on numerous uh, levels. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. And that's not to say that she always, you know, she, we've had some situations where she didn't do that. And we've yeah. talked about the consequences afterwards. Um, but, you know, it's not, it doesn't make sense to scare kids unnecessarily um, because there is a whole kind of psychic terror that I feel like kind of builds up with them hearing about all these shootings. And um, that's not something that I, you know, want to impart in my child because yeah. let's be honest, we have seen with these mass shooting events that if something happens, there is no guarantee of anything. Yeah. There is no guarantee that one behavior is going to save them or kill them. Uh, you know, there, there's so much unpredictability about it. So the question is, what can we take control of? And we can take control of the adult conversations that we have. One thing that I was thinking about was um, when I was in high school, I went to Israel. And in Israel, everybody has a handgun. But they also have the lowest rate of um, injury or um, deaths by handgun, which means that it's very much a cultural thing. Mm. And then when I think about the things in our own country that we thought we would never be able to change, but then we had a sweeping kind of like cultural change. Like if you think about how, um, how unusual it is now to go into a restaurant and people are smoking, like and that doesn't happen anymore. Completely right. illegal. Right? Yeah. You know, right. But that was like a huge, no, but there was like a huge tobacco lobby Mm -hmm. there was a huge, that was like a huge cultural shift. Mm -hmm. Even just like getting people to put their seatbelts on mm -hmm. in a car was a huge cultural shift. So I Absolutely. feel like, you know, that gun reform and gun safety will happen. It's just going to be another huge cultural shift and we're getting there. Yeah, it's got to be, it really, I really love the fact that you pulled out that metaphor of smoking or of uh, seatbelts, because really what we are talking about when we're talking about guns and gun safety is a public health issue. Yeah. yeah. And uh, this needs to be treated like a public health issue. It is uh, a public health issue. And in, in such uh, what is political is the way that people want to manipulate the uh, discussion and control the discussion of it. Yeah. But the uh, instances of gun violence in and of themselves are not a political issue. They are a health issue. Um, so I do agree with you uh, that it is something that is coming. Uh, and certainly our organization didn't exist before Sandy Hook. It was started by a mom of five kids in Indianapolis in her living room on Facebook and now has turned into an organization that has more members than the NRA. So in five years, you have already seen a sea change of people like myself who have said, you know what, this is my issue. Uh-huh. Uh, would I rather be making poop jokes on the internet? You betcha. <laughs> uh, I would like to go back to making poop jokes on the internet. Thank you very much. Uh, but until the point in time that this issue has, uh, we've made real headway on this, uh, this is my important work to do. It's not necessarily work I love doing, uh, but it's important somebody does it. And uh, if, not, if not me, who? If not now, when?
Uh, and we really need to come to that point where every mom says, this is my, this is my thing. I think we're getting there. I think Nancy hit it right on where it's a, it's a cultural shift. And I think it just takes a little bit of time for people to realize. I think it takes a couple of laws to get passed for people to say, okay, we were able to ban high capacity magazines and nobody lost their, their weapons in their house or whatever, you know, for just for people to see a few things happen that are, <laughs> as we like to say, common sense that, you know, we're not in danger, we're not stripping anyone of their rights by, by making the age to procure weapons to be a little bit higher or requiring that people have to go through at least as much to get a gun as they do to get a driver's license or Or Sudafed or Sudafed. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. I'll tell you what, I have a child with ADHD and it is so much harder for me to get his medication every month than it is for, I could go buy a gun every day here and it's sometimes like the, 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 the hoops that we have to jump through to get his medication are insane. But um, I do want to, I do want to go back to something that you said a minute ago, which I think is so true. And that's the whole, um, what are we doing to the mental health of our current, ch- of our children right now by making them go through these drills and by, Unfortunately, I agree with you that the conversation needs to be had amongst adults, but I also know what the culture is here and mm-hmm. my count and, and, and for me, it has to be a conversation with my kids about you do not it's of scaring them really. On the other hand, I also believe that um, they need to be taught gun safety and they need to know how to handle a weapon because they're so prevalent and, and all of that stuff. But what I, what I hate and I, I hate this, is that my five-year-old has to go to school and practice um, drills to get away from the bad guy. I hate that with more than anything in the world. And, I, you know, we had this conversation not too long ago. She came home from school and she was like, guess what, mommy? And I'm thinking, she's all excited. I'm thinking, what, what did you do at school today? And she was like, I was the first one to the hill. And I'm like, what do you mean you were the first one to the hill? And she said, we did this practice today where if there's a bad guy that comes into our school, we have to run out this door and run as fast as we can to the hill. And I was the first one both times. And I was like, well, by God, you go, girl. If you're going to, you know, if this is the world you're going to grow up with, always be the first to the hill. Run. <laughs> I'm like, run. Don't, don't worry about your friends. Don't worry. And she's like, but if a bad guy comes, I'm going to kick him first. And I'm like, oh, no, you're not. <laughs> You're gonna run. You're gonna run. Run to the hills, literally. A little vigilant. I mean, but like that story always makes me like well up. Like I have tears in my because I think about like the first time that I was in my daughter's classroom when they did a lockdown drill. Gosh. And it was just like so much more emotional than I thought it would be. It was right after Sandy Hook. She was my first you know, kid in school, she was in kindergarten, I was volunteering in her classroom, and all the kids were, like, hiding under the teacher's desk, she, like, crawled into my lap because she was scared, and I, like, just the, just the sight of, like, 25-year-olds being so quiet. Yeah, yeah. Uh, You know, I, like, it is, it's terrifying. Let me, you know, let me speak to what you were talking about, Alexa. I'm not, I'm not saying that we shouldn't talk to our kids. Absolutely. Sure. We absolutely need to. Um, and one of the amazing things about the Be Smart program is it kind of walks you through and helps you to practice what does it mean to have a conversation. Right. 
And I think that, um, you know, speaking from myself, I was preaching it before I was doing it uh-huh. uh, because I was like, okay, well, you know, I need to tell everybody to do this and this is important. And then realizing, okay, well, then I have to do it myself. And my heart starts beating and I'm like, uh-huh. what's going to happen? And I actually sat here like a moron on my couch talking to myself going through situations like, okay, if the person, if I ask, Hey, I wanted to know, you know, I know my kids coming over. I just wanted to know if you have any guns in the home. I always ask before my, I send my kid over, you know, and I'm playing through these horror scenarios in my head of like the person being like, yeah, what's your, why do you even ask? What's your business? Right. And what I realized was what other people's reactions are, are not my problem. Right. So I can be nonchalant about it. I can say, you know, even though I don't own guns, I do understand that other people do. Mm -hmm. You know, I live in a a state where lots of people do deer hunting. It's a traditional activity. Um, You know, other people may feel that they need guns for their protection. I don't feel that way. Um, but the reality is that there are going to be people who are going to say yes that I never would have thought have weapons in their home. Uh-huh. And so I would rather have that conversation. If somebody acts defensively, then I already know this is not somebody where I feel comfortable sending my kid. Right. Because a responsible gun owner would say, yes, we do have weapons. Here's how we have them secured. Right. Yeah. So. I had a ha, I had to have two very uncomfortable conversations, and I don't know that they were uncomfortable conversations in the big scheme of things. They were uncomfortable for me because mm-hmm. I'm a very, believe it or not, I'm a very non-controversial, passive aggressive. Like I, I don't like to to make mm-hmm. people upset or you know. But I mean, a, a childcare provider that we use, I had seen from Facebook. She talks a lot about her concealed weapons carry thing and mm. and to a place where my toddler is going to be spending time I had to know I had to know you know um and then but I had a much easier conversation it's it's easier when you already know that the people are kind of on the same page with you like I knew that my neighbor who's a good friend of mine and and feels the same way about weapons as I do but her husband felt that it was kind of they had a handgun in their home mm-hmm. um because of crime rates and you know, whatever, that's the mm-hmm. right. And, mm-hmm. but I just asked, you know, I know he's got this now. What, and before I even asked the question, she was like, it's in a safe. I don't even know the code. So <laughs> you know, right. it's, it's his right. deal. It's his thing. It's locked up. I made sure of it. So, you know, right. I think, and I think a lot of responsible gun owners will not feel I, if I chose to have a weapon in the home, um, I don't think I would feel offended by another parent asking me because as a parent, your child's safety is your number one priority. Right. And I think if we just take that approach and say, you know, they're not, you know, however you want to phrase it. And I do like the fact that it had, that there are those like role playing as Mm -hmm. silly as role playing feels to a lot of us. It helps to practice what you're going to say. Absolutely does. And the other thing that I'll say is that there are methods of doing it that are very kind of like, I won't say under the radar, but uh, low key. <laughs> that are low key, that are easier to kind of hide behind, so to speak. So um, we had a neighbor uh, and my daughter was going over to their house and I really didn't know them. They're kind of kitty corner. And um, I 
sent him a text message and I said, hey, I'm so glad our daughters are playing. Uh, I just wanted to let you know when your daughter comes over here that we don't have any weapons in the home. Very uh, smart. So to start with myself uh -huh. and then to say, and I also wanted to ask you if you have weapons in the home and if so, how they're stored. So like I encoded all of that information in a very friendly little text. It went off. It came back. He said that he was in the military um, and he has very strong uh, beliefs about guns in the home and that they don't have a weapon here. They do have a shotgun that's in their cabin and it is locked and it, it's never you know, here. And, uh, so that was my first experience of somebody actually saying yes. And it was like the least confrontational thing. So then well, I was there you like, go. Oh. you can text it and that's even easier. Text it. <laughs> Email it. You know, like one of the things that I always ask when someone sends their kid over here is, does your kid have an allergy? Uh, yeah. Because we have that's, cats. This is life-threatening. Yeah. I love peanut butter. I would mm -hmm. take a bath in peanut butter if I could, <laughs> right? But if your kid is allergic to peanut butter, your first thing is you say, my kid's coming over. My kid has a peanut butter allergy. I, I need you to take that seriously. Mm -hmm. And that is a perfectly responsible thing to do. Mm -hmm. And if somebody kind of blows you off, then you're not like, hey, okay, I'm going to send my kid over and this woman is bathing in peanut butter, right? Right. So I think yeah. the way that it even perhaps more meaningful than what their answer is, is how they answer you tells yeah. you whether this is someone where your kids should be hanging out there or not. Yeah, and if you're not comfortable with the answer, you can say, you know what, why does it, why don't they come over here? Or why don't they meet at the park? If somebody's really rude to you, you can say, you know what, I'm, I'm sorry that this conversation upset you. You know, I'm, I'm happy for our kids to hang out at school. Yeah. And, and really know in advance what you're going to say. And uh, at the end of the day, does it matter if they don't like you? No. <laughs> Not if you've just kept your child potentially safe from exactly. an incident. Exactly. Exactly. Oh. I, I mean, it's, it's real common sense stuff, but I think sometimes as women, we get caught up in this, like, I have to be nice or okay. what if they're angry towards me? Uh -huh. um, you know, and the truth is, if you approach it from a perspective of, I'm not saying you shouldn't have guns. What you, do, right. what you do in your house is, is your business. Um, I would prefer that everybody store them safely. I am looking towards saving the most lives as possible. Um, and, and if that makes me persona non grata, hey, yeah. I'll make a little t-shirt for it. <laughs> I think it's, for me, it's easy to get on board with anything that protects a child's life. I mean, I remember a few years ago, my, my oldest, I think, was in preschool when I remember seeing a lot of mom just bitching and moaning about the regulations on what we could send in for snacks at school. Mm. And I remember thinking to myself, these people have no perspective because they've never had a child who's been deathly ill because somebody gave them a cracker with peanut butter in it, for example, or something, you know? So I, I think everything comes with, it's not that those moms were awful moms or mean moms mm -hmm. or didn't care about that other child. They weren't thinking through that lens. They were thinking, 
this is a pain in the butt. Now I have to, every time I'm responsible for snack, I have to go down this list. And they were not thinking from the perspective of a child could die if I don't follow this list. You know, so I, I think everything comes from having a bigger perspective than just what's going on in your life. It goes to education. It goes to background. It goes to experience what you're used to. And, you know, I hear so many people say, well, I grew up with this going on and we never died from yada, yada. Oh, sure. But that's not the situation anymore. And this, the, you know, the reality is this is the world we live in now. This is what we have to do to, to keep ourselves safe. And at the end of the day, do we really want to live in a world where we're terrified to leave our front door every single I don't think most people want that. And if we can, I think if we can strip some of the emotions attached to it, for whatever mm -hmm. reason, I have no idea why people are so emotionally attached to guns. I really don't. But that's not the environment that I was raised in. Mm -hmm. So I can't, I can't project my feelings on that onto other people. I have been really pleased um, to attend events and to be part of my local chapter and to be a part of the process. And we had an advocacy day just for anybody who's kind of interested in the types of things that Moms mm -hmm. Demand Action does or do, um, mm -hmm. whichever. The, um, we had an advocacy day at our state house. I, I mentioned I'm in South Carolina. We have a very high rate of domestic violence. Mm -hmm. I think we are usually between number one and three in the nation of women killed um, by their spouses or boyfriends. Um, huge rate of domestic violence, but we also have a huge rate. We had the Charleston Nine killed by the kid who went into the church and, and shot him up. We had um, we have guns everywhere. It's it's a big priority in our state to to get this right for safety of of women and children largely. Um, but we also have a huge huge. I mean, when I, when the first time I went to a Moms Demand Action event, there were like 10 of us and we're standing there with our little signs and the common reaction from the governor was a form letter that's thank you for expressing your concern. We're strong supporters of the Second Amendment and we'll never do anything to, to, uh, to, to take away those rights. And we're just like, ah, how do we have this conversation? As more school shootings happen and as more parents become involved, that's slowly starting to change a little bit. The last event that I went to, this advocacy day, had almost 300 people. So it was a big, big, yeah. big shift, which is good. But yes. what I saw them doing, what I saw us doing, was trying to have a positive impact on the laws that are in place for safety, things that are not restrictive on personal rights but make sense. Mm -hmm. And um, and I thought it was very nice, the, the way that people – it was – African Americans and whites and Mexicans and I mean everybody across the board ethnic wise we all had this one thing in common a lot of moms were there that had lost their children to gun mm. violence because of mm. gang activity or um, weapons that weren't stored properly and things mm. like that and to me those are 100% preventable preventable death. absolutely Absolutely. And, you know, really, I think what you're seeing is the power of us uniting. Mm -hmm. um, and we had also, I think uh, this year in Wisconsin, we had also over 300 people at our lobby day. Last year, we had 20. Mm -hmm. uh, we barely had enough people to hold our sign. Right. Uh, and there were a lot of people who are passive supporters of mm -hmm. moms. Mm -hmm. um, you know, one of the reasons why I'm so vocal about the fact that sometimes I really don't want to go to a meeting. Like That was me. 
You get to the end of a day and you're like, I just want to Netflix and chill, or Mm -hmm. I want to fill out a stupid personality quiz or, you know, whatever else it is. There are a thousand and one reasons that I don't want to be engaging with this, but I do it anyway. Yeah. You know, you have to get over your own self and your own self-interest in the status quo. Well, and I, I think, I could be wrong on this, but I think a lot of people are scared because we didn't grow up in an environment that really preached or taught or even explained activism and advocacy, but certainly not ad- activism. And that there is a certain civil activist and, and civil disobedience, as they call it, mm-hmm. that, that is good for our country. And I think people get scared. They don't know if they don't like making phone calls. They don't know the process. They don't know the procedure. It's intimidating to think about going to their senator or their, their representative's office and, and having mm-hmm. a conversation. And I, I also think that that's great that Moms Demand Action is organizing these events and breaking it down so it doesn't feel so intimidating so that people are a little bit more apt to use their voice and follow of the process. And right. I do, um, it was funny, two things here. My husband was actually, the day of the advocacy day, I woke up and I was like, I don't feel good. I have so much work to do. I have a headache. There will be other people there that can do this. But then I started thinking about that first event where there were only 10 of us. And um, two things happened. I reflected back. I do a lot of advocacy for the March of Dimes because my twins were born so early and, and basically stuff that's happened because of March of Dimes saved my daughter's life. So we, um, I went to Washington for an advocacy day gladly. To me, that's like no controversy whatsoever, saving babies' lives, right? right. <laughs> so it's easy for me to, 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 to go up to Washington and talk to people. And um, what I heard said by multiple elected officials was, you can email us and you can tweet us all day long. You can post on your Facebook post about us. We don't care. It's not... It's, it, it's, my assistant is checking my, my assistant, you know, 17 layers down, the high school intern is looking at my Twitter feed, you know, they're like, it's the phone calls and it's the in-person visits. When people care enough about an issue to call mm-hmm. us or to come to see us personally, that's when we take notes. So that, that popped, exactly. So that, that popped into my brain and I was like, I have to show up if this is something that's important. But then my husband nailed it. Um, nailed the, the, put the nail in the coffin when he was like, his sentence was very simple. He just said, yeah, because posting on Facebook changes the world every single day. And, you know, I knew exactly what he meant because I had been so vocal on everything that I'd been sharing on Facebook and posting and posting and posting. And he meant if this is an issue for you, if this is something you care about, you have to go down there and show up. That's and right. he is about as far from an activist about anything as, you know, an ant walking down the sidewalk. He, so for him to make a statement to me like that, it was yeah. really like, I was like, okay, I hear you. I have to, I have to go and show up. And it was peaceful. It was, it was a, a wonderful event to be a part of. I got to sit in on a hearing, which if people haven't gone down, just, just across the board, if you haven't gone down and participated in lawmaking, it's eye-opening. And it really gives you a different perspective for what kinds of things are happening. And it matters. It matters. It It impacts our lives every day. It does. Absolutely. And, um, you know, this year is is the fifth year anniversary of um, Moms Demand Action's founding uh, right after the Newtown tragedy, Sandy Hook. Mm -hmm. Um, And 
they were asking, we were trying to find like some kind of a theme for this year. And just, I just happened to, for whatever reason, start using a hashtag. I made up a hashtag, expect us, which means I don't care. Well, it's, you know, the thing is that for so long, they, they have expected us to not show up. Yeah. You know, that we are either too intimidated by the lawmaking process or we don't feel like we have a voice. We're just moms, right? We're just We're moms. Just moms. <laughs> We're just moms. And what you see is when you show up to one of these things and then they pass out the red shirts and you can look around and you start to see this sea of red. You don't even have to open your mouth. Right. Showing up makes the difference. So sometimes when people are like, well, what can I do? What's my one thing? Sometimes just physically being a body in the room and physically representing uh, makes a huge difference because then they look out and while they are sometimes doing things that that you don't agree with, Mm -hmm. they have to look you in the eye. Mm -hmm. And uh, you know, so it's important for us to, to challenge, but also like you're saying to have those conversations sometimes with lawmakers who do not agree with us. Not at and all. What you will see is that sometimes they feel threatened, uh, by us or by our organization. And you can have conversations. Sometimes the only thing that you can agree on with somebody is that the weather is crappy. You know what? Find whatever that one thing is that you can agree with somebody on. Yeah. You may disagree on everything else. You know, I mean, the internet is made up of disagreements. If you look at the, whatever that name thing was, Yanni or. Right. Laurel or Yanni. Laurel or Yanni or what color is the dress? I don't care. I don't care. Everybody's wrong. But you know, those kinds of things engage people in conversations. And so while they may be meaningless, I really uh, think it's important for us to not be afraid to disagree with each other because if we uh, don't enter a conversation at all, that's when you end up with us being in these separate bubbles. Um, And there are so many different kinds of things that we can agree on. Even to some extent, you know, even though I don't own guns, never handled a gun, um, there are a lot of card-carrying NRA members who will agree with me that we should have a better background check system that uh, is kept up and that uh, is meant to uh, really take a close look at who is applying uh, to buy a gun. We should also have background checks on every gun purchase. Mm -hmm. Uh, These are really relatively, quote unquote, simple fixes uh, that can keep a lot of people who should not have guns uh, from having guns. And these are things that by and large we can agree on. And if you don't agree on it, then you can have a civil conversation about it. You really can. That's so true. And it's, it's amazing to me, like how quickly it can go downhill because people get so nasty so fast. You don't have to walk away agreeing with each other. No. But be civil. If we're going to have a discussion, we're going to have a discussion that is based on mutual respect and that is based on facts and that is not based on name calling. Yeah. I I try really hard when I am sharing something um, on any of these really controversial topics that it be either stuff that I've gotten from Moms Demand Action because I know that it's based on 
stats and and people going in. I know it's not uh, inflammatory, and I know it's 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 usually some type of call to action to make a change for the better. Um, I will I will always post things from the perspective of the victim because I think that's super important for people to see and understand. But in any time anytime I see something that looks like clickbait or that's um, I mean. just obviously something that's going to make people angry just for the sake of making people angry. I try really hard to avoid that. But even so, I mean, it's, it's unfortunate that people just automatically will like shut you down um, just because your views are different. So I think it's important that we have conversations like this. And if somebody's listening to this podcast and they're like, you don't agree with anything we said, that's cool. You don't have to. Mm-hmm. And I hope that you'll comment and that you'll respectfully let us know why it is that you believe what you believe, because I always think it's important to hear things from all, all sides and all angles. And often I it may not change my opinion on the subject, but often somebody will say something and I'm like, huh, I never thought about it from that perspective before doesn't change my perspective necessarily globally, but it makes me consider things from a little bit of a different angle. And I think that's an important element. Yeah. And also, you know, really to encourage people, um, if this is an issue you, you care about, um, you know, no matter who you are, a gun owner, non-gun owner, parent, non-parent, uh, someone who is a native to this country or someone who is immigrated from another country, to really try and look for all of the different sides, like you're saying, yeah. of the argument. Um, you know, I, I, I research what, what position papers and all different kinds of arguments other people are making. They may not mean that I agree with them, but I can understand the appeal of them. You know, yeah. like you were saying before about gun ownership and, um, you know, people in some way fetishizing guns. There's a part of me that really can understand how people can feel insecure mm-hmm. uh you know insecure not necessarily as like you know i'm an insecure person but feel feel fearful yeah. um for their safety i certainly feel fearful for my safety as well mm-hmm. um you know and and my children's safety and this is my coping mechanism right you know my coping mechanism is that uh i'm not going to put my head in the sand i know i'm a warrior you know, you say one word to me and I am spinning off in space worrying about whatever yeah. eventuality. That's the great thing about being a Jewish mom. You just, you know, you give me anything and I will perseverate. <laughs> but one of my coping mechanisms for doing that is making sure that I have good information and that I really do think it through and yeah. that, um, you know, that I don't demonize the other side. Oh. Thank you so much. I encourage everybody, if you're interested in this topic and want to get more involved, don't be scared. One of the best things about Moms Demand Action is they make it super simple. And like Jen said, all you have to do is show up. They always provide talking points. So if you do want to engage in the conversation, you have a, have a clue to what to say in a non-confrontational manner, but you don't have to. You can just show up and and rah rah, just come by, you know, sing kumbaya with the masses. It's always a beautiful experience every time we get together because they're just wonderful women. But with with the goal of of making the world safer. I mean, who can argue with that as a mission? But we um we are so pleased to have had you on the show. This was a very long conversation. For anyone who stuck with us to the end, God bless you. And. Uh, <laughs> 
Uh, please check out our book. We don't talk about guns at all in the book. It's just a great tool for parents who are and just um, a very long hair. Just, just a very a long hair. That's right. <laughs> um, you know, it's it's really a whole different battleground, and that is raising tweens and teens. Um, and thank you for your time. Is where can people find you? Do you have any closing statements that you'd like to leave us with? Uh, so I uh, blog on Facebook at Thinking Mom by Jennifer Rosenhines, and then I'm also the editor-in-chief of Moms Against Hate. Uh, we are oh. going to be changing our name soon um, and turning into an organization that uh, raises money to help women of color get elected. So wow. thanks, no, and thanks so much for, for all that you do in bringing these stories together. I think it's so important that we all feel uh, that we get to laugh and cry together and feel not so alone. No, thank you. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.